well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms. Cam and company, glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be spending some time with my friend Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League in Massachusetts, where uh, Governor Maura Healey has announced that gun stores in the state are now going to be going through annual inspections. Yeah, by local authorities, I guess that's what the law allows, but the state is trying to uh, uh, play its heavy hand here in terms of these uh, inspections. And as the Gun Owners actually points out, this is already starting to cause some problems uh, and the rollout has just begun. So we're going to get into the details of this with uh, the Gun Owner Action League's Executive Director, Jim Wallace. Take a look and a listen. Big Jim Wallace, thank you so much for coming on the show, sir. It's good to see you again today. Hey, Kim, as always, welcome back to the Second Amendment Battleground State. It is just getting sillier by the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so, so Gold released this um, statement yesterday talking about the, uh, the, the firearm retailers in the state having to face annual state inspections, right? Now, is, is this a... We're going to get into the details here and the problems, but is is, is that a new requirement for gun stores that you've got to be uh, uh, inspected by local authorities every year? No, it actually goes back to, I think, 1998, uh, but it's also one of those laws that's been around, but nobody has really done anything with it because the ATF kind of handles that. Right. Um, so, you know, the locals, most of them weren't even aware of the law. Um, which it's kind of funny because we actually have to educate a lot of people in government about their own laws. Uh, matter of fact, not to get too far off track, but our game wardens up here, uh, uh, our trainer, John Green, who you know, uh, took his son a couple of years ago, more than a couple now, to a hunter education course. And the game warden was up there talking about the laws, and John came back to the office, Jim. Almost everything that guy said was wrong. So we ended up having a meeting with the higher ups of the game warden service. They call them environmental police here because Massachusetts has to be different. Yeah. And, uh, so now John actually teaches their new recruits, the gun laws on Massachusetts. So it's always kind of interesting that we have to teach them what their laws are, but so well, be it. Ready? Yeah. So, okay. So, so, so you're teaching them what the laws are, but now yeah. governor Healy says, okay, well, we're actually going to make sure that this is happening here, right? That these local inspections are taking place, but now we get into this conundrum because as you guys point out since the eighties, right? You say the state has consistently maintained that they have no control over the local authorities. They've also maintained that, that th these are not state licenses, right? All right, the the firearms ID card or the license carry that these are local licenses, and and so how does this now come into play with Maury Healy and the state try to put all these mandates in place for local law enforcement agencies? Yeah, exactly. It, you know, this all started from um, the Boston Globe did a, a, a two part, basically hit piece on retailers, and it and it started in Littleton, Mass where a guy actually, it's called the mill, a guy actually leased an old mill building and gave a whole bunch of firearm retailers space, you know, to conduct business. And the Globe didn't like that. So they did a hit piece on them. Now the town of Littleton, it's, you know, the villages are out there with their pitchforks and torches, you know, 
how could we possibly have this many retailers in one town? And oh my God, the children and you know, it, it, which is funny because they didn't even know they were there until the Boston Globe did a story on it. So during that whole time, the Boston Globe reporter had talked to me, I don't know how many times I spent hours on the phone with her. And eventually I said to her, I said, Sarah, you're trying to hurt yourself understanding something that's not meant to be understood. So we can't even define what an assault weapon is in mass anymore. It's one of the few things well, not the few things, but it's one of the things we have to tell people we can't tell you because we don't know. Even the attorney general, when she did her thing in 2016, changed it like four or five times. So how are we supposed to understand what it is? And I even sit on the gun control advisory board uh, for the state and just an informal discussion. Uh, we met last Thursday and, and I asked everybody at the table and nobody could answer the question. Even the woman who runs the gun lab for the Boston police said, no, if we get a question, we don't necessarily give an, a, a legal opinion. We'll just kind of give, you know, a letter saying it could be this, but we're not sure. So long and short of it is, like you said, though, for decades, every time we've complained about a local licensing authority to the state on how they're handling a license application, we are told we have no authority over the local people. It's a local license. It's not a state license, which is a license that has Commonwealth of Mass on it. It's printed by the Commonwealth of Mass. The background checks are done by the Commonwealth of Mass. And the database is kept by the Commonwealth of Mass. But it's not a state license. So don't worry. Um, now, suddenly, because the Boston Globe put the pressure on Moore Healy, now governor, and the new attorney general, uh, they want to make sure that these inspections are are taking place. But there's okay. problems with the inspections already. Well, okay, so so let's get into that, right? Because you say that the state law requires the the Commonwealth to provide a, a sales record books uh, to all licensed retailers, and they're supposed to use that book to to, to you know write down all of their sales. But you say that that the state has never made these books available to any gun store in the state, right? Never, never. <laughs> and and even in the uh, the meeting last week, uh, it was reaffirmed to me that the Merck system, which is the Massachusetts record check system, uh, with the database of all the transfers going back to two thousand two, they consider that to be the book. Okay. Well, they might, but does Maura yeah. Healy or the attorney general? Because, uh, again, they, it sounds like they expect these dealers to have these records on site for local law enforcement to go and peruse and examine, make sure everything's on the up and up. Yep. No, I'm sure they don't even know the law. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things. I mean, you, you got to remember back, this was back in 2014, after the Newtown massacre, when Goal worked very hard with a legislator to come up with a, a school safety bill. When it was just beginning, I had a senator, and I always tell this story, stop me in the hallway and say, hey, Jim, before we really get into this, can you guys come in and, and just give us a quick presentation on what we have for laws? And I snickered, and he said, what's funny? And I said, I think it's hilarious that you want us to come in and tell you what you have for laws. But yeah, we can do it. I says, but you know, make sure you provide lunch. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, it's going to take about eight hours. And he said, what? And he goes, no, 20 minutes. And I said, Senator, 
I can't cover the definition section in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, are you serious? And and I always use this this book here. I'll kind of just show it, but this book here is actually written by a retired police chief, over 400 pages long on what you need to know as a Massachusetts gun owner. <laughs> so of course they don't know the law. Um, but they're what we're trying to do is get a hold of the curriculum for the training that they're now providing because there's only two things they're allowed to do. One is to inspect the books, which they don't exist. And number two, to check the inventory. But there's no state law that says they have to keep a state inventory. So what are they inspecting? <laughs> yeah. Has, has has this gotten any pushback from local law enforcement when, when Maury Healy says, we want these uh, local uh, departments to start going out and uh, doing these inspections? Yeah. Have any departments kind of pushed back and said, what are you talking about? This is crazy. Why? First of all, why would you want us to divert our resources from, yeah. you know, going out and, and, and uh, working on, you know, solving violent crimes? Um, or have they just kind of accepted this and, okay, we'll do what you say? Well, it's it's I, I haven't heard many rumblings, but I'm sure there's a lot behind closed doors because once again, it's an unfunded mandate, mm-hmm. you know, is the term they use. But you know, law enforcement's pretty used to that these days. They just do what they what they do and and move on. But um, you know, it's it's like even locally, we we have the licenses here because mostly for like raffles and donations and stuff, but we're federally state licensed and you know, the local officer came in, talked to John for a few minutes, everything good. Yep. Okay. See ya. <laughs> you know, so he was just on his way somewhere else. Not like he spent a lot of time here because it was nothing for him to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, it's also things like uh, in the, in the list that was in the report that we put out, uh, they, they said, we're going to uh, teach uh, assault weapon identification. Really? Boy, I'd like to attend that because we've been asking for <laughs> what seven years and we haven't got that. So, um, and if you talk to all the so-called experts, you know nobody can identify what it is. So, I have no idea where this is going to go. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure that you'll be alerting your members uh, and hopefully bearing arms as well when you do get a copy of this training curriculum because I I'm very curious to see what this shows as well and yeah, yeah it would be great if they could open up this training curriculum I doubt they're going to invite you to attend any of these sessions but uh, no. but but you know no, no but I I did talk to a, uh, the same senator that I referred to in 2014 I talked to him the other day because uh, you know even though we're very cordial he is not a friend of the Second Amendment community. And he said, I'm actually going to attend one of these gyms because I'm curious as to what they're going to teach. And I said, well, let me know. Maybe I'll go with you. you know? There you go. <laughs> Compare notes. So, um, because Odd I couple carpool. Him, I like it. Yeah. Well, I was telling him about, you know, Senator, I know you're not with us on this stuff, but he always appreciates when I talk to him because sometimes I save them embarrassment. But uh, when I told him about the the fact that the state keeps saying it's not a state license, he was like, well, what are you talking about? And I, I said, go ask them. You know, they've been telling us that for decades. So if it's not a state license, then why is it suddenly a state license now issued by the same authority? So, you know, they, they get to make up the rules as they go along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I know we're going to be talking again very soon because this is the Second Amendment battleground state of Massachusetts we're talking about. There is always something going on. Uh, But I'm glad you could join us today, Jim. And I really look forward to doing this again very soon. 
Absolutely. Hopefully we'll see you in Indianapolis uh, in a month or so. And, uh, you know, how many people we got? Usually 60, 70,000 people. So first time I ever took my wife to one of those, they said, honey, you're going to meet 80,000 people that think like me. And she goes, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am hoping to see you in Indianapolis as well for the uh, NRA annual meeting uh, coming up in mid-April. Fingers crossed I uh, get a chance to get out there this year. But I know we'll be talking between now and then as well. Uh, And again, Jim Wallace, always good to see you, sir. Thank you so much for everything you do. And I look forward to doing this again very soon. Thanks. Better seen than viewed. I appreciate Jim spending some time with us today. And uh, yeah, we'll be paying close attention to what's going on there in Massachusetts because well, the anti-gun activists, they are, uh, they're on a tear at the moment. And um, hopefully they will soon be put in check. Now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. Uh, we'll start there with a case out of Galeen, Texas, where a man has gotten probation after a road raid shooting, actually shooting at somebody. There was no self-defense argument here at all. Uh, This is just an inexplicable decision here on the part of a a judge. Uh, Brendan Isaiah Harris, 28 years of age, pleaded guilty back in January to a third-degree felony charge of deadly conduct by discharging a firearm towards individuals. It was last Friday uh, that uh, as part of that plea agreement, Judge Wade Faulkner sentenced Harris to a term of five years of deferred adjudication probation. As conditions of his probation, he'll have to pay $1,476 in restitution to the victim, serve 300 hours of community service, uh, stay out of trouble. But if he does that, then he doesn't have to go to prison. It was January 12, 2022, when police in Clean Texas uh, were dispatched to an intersection uh, in reference to a shooting. When they got there, an officer spoke with a woman who said that she'd been driving her vehicle with her husband. Her young son was in the vehicle as well. Um, and she reported that there was this sedan speeding up behind her, swerving into the other lane, then back into her lane directly in front of her, driving very aggressively. woman told the uh, police that the driver of the sedan, later identified as Harris, started flipping them off. So her husband returned the bird, so to speak. Uh, then the two vehicles ended up stopped at a red light. Police said that the woman reported that Harris pulled out a handgun, pointed it at her and her family. woman said she yelled at the man to stop because she had a child in her vehicle. Woman told police that she tried to drive forward, but there was another car in front of her. She couldn't back up, couldn't go forward. She was just kind of stuck. woman reported that Harris then cocked his handgun, pointed the gun outside the window, and fired one round. Again, next car over. Almost point-blank range at the passenger side door where her husband was sitting, her young son sitting directly behind her husband. The man then pulled into a parking lot of a fast food restaurant. Woman gave police a description of the man and a passenger in his vehicle. They used surveillance video from the restaurant to get the license plate of the suspect's vehicle, which was traced back to Harris. Uh, Woman later identified Harris in a photo array, bullet hole located on the vehicle on top of the passenger side door handle. So again, this could have, I mean, thankfully it did not result in any injuries to the woman's husband. But that is a matter of luck. Uh, more than a good aim on the part of uh, Brandon Harris. And again, I, maybe it's not just fair to, uh, fair to just blame the judge here. Let's blame prosecutors, too. Because I, I, I'm struggling to come up with a justification of a five-year probation sentence for somebody who, again, uh, not in self-defense, but in an act of aggression, pulled a gun, and fired a shot 
at somebody just several feet away. The fact that this is happening not in a blue state like California, but a red state like Texas shows, again, this is not just a problem in progressive cities or progressive states. We have a real, real problem with over-reliance on plea bargains in this uh, country. In fact, we talked about this uh, over the weekend at BarryAndArms.com. New report coming out from the American Bar Association pointing out that 98% of federal felony cases end up in plea bargains. They don't go to trial. And the numbers are just as bad in a lot of states, including the state of Texas. Now, there are problems on both ends here, right? You may have people who get overcharged, maybe people who are even not guilty, but they feel like, gosh, you know, there's this overwhelming way I could go to prison for 80, 90 years if I don't take this sweetheart plea deal that's being offered me. But on the other side, you also have individuals who have repeat criminal histories, a uh, history of violent offenses. And they keep getting stuck in this plea bargain loop, and the revolving door of justice spins them around and spits them back onto the street with a slap on the wrist. That's a problem as well. And that seems to be the case here with uh, Brendan Isaiah Harris in Killeen, Texas. Today's uh, armed citizen story from Ohio. The headline does not really capture this story. Sheriff's Office releases new details IDs two killed in Morrow County gas station shooting. This was a defensive gun use, uh, despite what the headline says. Um, shooting happened at the Shell gas station just before 7 p.m. on Sunday night. According to the sheriff's office, a guy named Keith Moser allegedly attempted to steal a car on the northbound off-ramp of a, a nearby highway. That resulted in shots fired. Um, doesn't The police haven't said whether or not the driver of the car fired shots at Moser, or Moser fired shots at the driver of the car, but he was unable to get entry. To that car. So then he went to a gas station and attempted to steal a minivan at a gas pump before shots were fired again and a female victim was struck. The female identified as Megan Kennedy Stanford of Greenville, South Carolina, who passed away at the scene. Moser did fire those shots. He then allegedly turned and fired at a U-Haul van that was driven by a male occupant. The man inside that U-Haul had a firearm himself and returned fire. According to uh, 10 TV, a fight ensued involving multiple people. Sheriff's office says Moser died at the scene of apparent gunshot wounds. The uh, shooting does remain under investigation. But earlier in the day, the uh, Columbus, Ohio Police Department said that Moser was responsible for stealing two vehicles, uh, firing shots into an unoccupied but running Chevy while the owner was in a gas station. And he drove off in that Chevy and later abandoned it. About five minutes later, police received calls from uh, a nearby area about shots being fired during an attempted robbery slash home invasion where Moser allegedly stole a BMW X3 from a nearby home. Um, just about five minutes after that, he then attempted to rob a food delivery driver uh, in the area. The uh, BMW was recovered. Police say nobody in the Columbus incidents was injured, but this guy was on a one-man crime spree, it sounds like, for several hours. Uh, and unfortunately, innocent people lost their lives. But more damage could have been done. More people could have been harmed were it not for that armed citizen in that U-Haul who was able to return fire. And it sounds like ultimately uh, struck and killed the assailant. We'll keep our eyes on this story because uh, there should be some more details uh, released here in the coming days. But uh, at this point, again, it looks like the driver of the U-Haul uh, able to put a stop to that one-man crime spree. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time. We're not able to do the right thing. The family dog. That's right.
Family dog saves one-year-old during a fire. This was in uh, the Detroit, Michigan area. There is the dog in question with uh, his owner, Janet. This is a scary situation. Uh, Janet Kelly uh, and her daughters, two of them anyway, uh, as well as their uncle, were at home a few days ago. Apparently, a couple of the kids were playing with a lighter and a a fire started, quickly uh, sweeping through the house. Most of the kids were able to get out, but uh, Janet Kelly says that Blue uh, went running back into the house because he knew that Chantel, her youngest, quote, was in her playpen. Firefighters had to chase him up, and once they got in there, they realized what was going on. Janet says she's convinced uh, that her daughter was saved because of Blue, the baby now uh, safe and unharmed. Family says they got Blue two years ago from Detroit Dog Rescue, barely surviving a uh, harsh life as a puppy on the streets of Detroit. Uh, but as Janet says, the house is now, its uh, they, they can't live there anymore. The house has been destroyed. She said, uh, shelters typically don't allow for pets. And she said, I refuse to leave Blue because God knows where my family would be without him. Um, so this gets to the other part. I, you know, I typically don't mention animals as our heroes of the day. I'm a dog person. I love dogs. But typically, I try to stick with, you know, people when we talk about the good deed of the day. And this is where the human connection comes in. A GoFundMe was started for the Kelly family, um, and it looks like they're not going to have to uh, figure out what to do with Blue while they go to a shelter. Uh, as of this morning, almost $85,000 has been raised for this family from flesh and blood human beings. I don't believe any dogs were contributing to the cause here uh, to uh, get the family back on their feet and to uh, ensure that uh, Blue doesn't have to leave their side going forward. So... Good boy, Blue, but to all of the humans out there helping out the Kelly family, thank you for your very good deed as well. Now, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I do appreciate you being a part of the program, and I look forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Uh, We'll talk more then about what the uh, topic is going to be, because Lord knows there's enough going on. I would encourage you to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We've got you covered on all the big Second Amendment news and information, including uh, Campus Carey signing the law in West Virginia. Congratulations to uh, West Virginia Second Amendment advocates. And uh, a lot more there at the website. If you like what you see, always would encourage you to become a VIP member. All you have to do, go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content, new stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support really does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.